Hello, and welcome to the podcast that helps you win the race Christ has marked out for you. Deep in the heart of most men looms the question, what was I created to do? What is God's mission for me? Os Guinness writes, in more than 30 years of public speaking and in countless conversations around the world, I have heard that issue come up more than any other. Genesis 2.15 partially answers that question for men, where we're told that Adam is placed in the garden to work it. The Hebrew word is avad, which means to make fruitful, to cause to flourish. Adam's calling is to help the garden, that is the world, and its inhabitants reach their fullest potential. In other words, Adam is designed to impact his surroundings. No wonder men dream of changing the world. No wonder men want to fix their wives' problems instead of just listening to how she feels. No wonder men want to make a difference. It's in our design. We are made to change things. We are made to have impact. This episode looks at how we impact the people God has placed around us for Christ. Thanks for joining us today for season number one, episode number 36 of Mission Focus Men. My name is Gary Yeagle. Rick Warren says the greatest tragedy of life is not death, but life without a purpose. God has designed men to impact their world, to make a difference for him in every sphere of influence and every relationship we have. The greatest impact we have on those around us often comes when we fill the role of spiritual leader. This role can come to us in countless ways, by being assigned by God to spiritual leadership at home as a husband and father, or by serving as a church or ministry leader. Leadership can come with being the default spiritual influencer on your sports team or among your friends. It can be the result of assuming responsibility to steer brothers and sisters in your extended family toward Christ, or neighbors, or work associates. This episode looks at the way spiritual leadership can have maximum impact in the lives of those who surround us. So let's dig in. The most valuable truth I've ever learned about leadership in general is that leadership is not synonymous with authority. Now, authority is a good thing. God punishes sin. The boss has the power to fire. God gives the state power to punish wrong behavior. And parents need to exercise firm discipline to train their children well. You might say authority is the power to coerce obedience. Now, when kids are young and in our house, we use authority, discipline to get the behavior we want. But when our kids are older, and away from the house, if the child still chooses to do what we would want him to do, that's leadership. Authority uses force to coerce obedience, and that's, again, a good, necessary thing. Leadership also accepts the responsibility of wielding that authority, but leadership primarily uses influence to cause your child to want to obey you. In fact, leadership really is influence. Spiritual leadership in the home is the ability to get your wife and children to follow you in your love for Jesus. My favorite leadership proverb is, he who thinks he is leading when no one is following is only taking a walk. 
Successful spiritual leadership at home is creating a desire in your wife and in your children to want to follow you as you follow Christ, something that you can only do in the power of Christ. Authority, again, is a God-ordained structure that we must teach children to respect. But effective leadership, especially with adults and teens, must go beyond authority. Harry Selfridge, the owner of a London department store chain, shows his managers the difference between seeing themselves as bosses or leaders. He writes, the boss drives people, the leader coaches them. The boss depends upon authority. The leader depends upon goodwill. The boss says, I. The leader says, we. The boss fixes the blame for the breakdown. The leader fixes the breakdown. The boss knows how it is done. The leader shows how it is done. The boss says, go. The leader says, let's go. To understand how effective leadership works, it's useful to identify three components of leadership and how they relate to one another. This isn't really brain surgery, and yet it's helpful to think carefully about this. So the three component parts. Number one, the target. Leaders are taking their followers somewhere. There is a goal to achieve, a mountain to climb, a destination to reach. When we talk about spiritual leadership that is influencing those around us toward Christ, we could define the goal as spiritual maturity. As a dad, leadership isn't just showing up, although that's a good starting place, but it's having a destination, knowing that we're trying to help our child achieve spiritual maturity. The second component is followers or potential followers. For dads, it's our wife, kids, and grandkids. But followers can also be those I lead in my Bible study, those I serve in church leadership, a friend who has drifted from Christ that I am seeking to bring back, or a work associate I am trying to lead to Christ. The third component part is the leader. This can be the one assigned leadership by God in the family or filling a leadership role at work, in the church, in the classroom, or on the athletic field. A leader can fill a lot of different roles because being a leader is not synonymous with being an upfront person. As any church dynamics expert will tell you, the real leader in the church may not even hold an office, but he or she is the one everyone listens to, the key influencer. At this point, I want to refer to a diagram called Spiritual Leadership is Influence. For those listening to the podcast, it is in the program notes. If you can't stop and look at them, I think you'll find the relationship between the three parts of the leadership process that I just mentioned easy to follow as I keep speaking. On this diagram are the three components of leadership, which I just mentioned. The bottom left corner, the blue text reads leader. The top left corner, the blue text reads followers. The bottom right is the target the blue text reading spiritual maturity. Effective leadership follows the three arrows on the diagram, orange, green, and brown, which describe the relationships between these three component parts. Let's look at those arrows. 
Number one, the orange arrow across the bottom. This is the arrow between the leader and the goal of spiritual maturity. The leader must himself focus upon and model his own spiritual maturity, the first part of this process. He must lead from his life. However, here's a key point for men. What you model is direction, not perfection. The gospel is that we all get knocked down by our own sin. Our kids know we fail. It does not help them to see us try to hide our failure. What they need is to see us fail and then get up and get back into the race, the direction we're going, following hard after Christ. In fact, maybe even harder than ever before. We're going to spend most of the rest of the time today on this orange arrow, how to stay focused on our mission. But first, let's complete the overview, the green and brown arrows. So number two is the vertical green arrow on the left from the bottom to the top. It's the arrow between the leader and his followers. A leader's influence is completely dependent upon the quality of his relationship with his followers. We will look next week at how Jesus affirmed, served, motivated, challenged, felt compassion for, and loved his followers. The third component part of leadership is pictured through the brown arrow from the upper left corner to the lower right. This arrow runs from the followers to the goal, spiritual maturity. The leader equips and assists his followers to keep taking steps toward the goal, spiritual maturity. The best leader is not a hero. He is a hero maker. By the way, I want to mention a great book by this title, Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson. Good leaders help their followers see their own potential, encourage them to discover their own God-given gifts and passions, equip them with training needed to succeed, give them honest feedback, praising their successes and pointing out their blind spots. Many dads understand this part of fathering in the sports arena. We do everything we can to help our kids discover their athletic gifts, develop their skills at throwing, catching, kicking the soccer ball, take them to countless practices, try to get them the best coaching we can, and root obnoxiously for them during the game. But Bob Hammern of Great Dads asks, Dad, do you put as much energy into helping prepare your child to succeed spiritually as you do athletically? So again, there are just three main tasks of leading, staying focused yourself on the mission, winning the hearts of your followers by loving them well, and challenging, equipping, and helping them move towards spiritual maturity. Now let's turn to this bottom orange arrow. The first part of the leadership influence process in the diagram is staying focused on our mission ourselves so that we can lead from our own lives. Paul wrote to Timothy You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose. Notice that Paul called attention not just to what he said, my teaching, but to his everyday way of life and even to what Paul was pursuing as his mission, my purpose. Paul stayed focused on his mission and he led from his life. 
As busy men trying to be faithful to God's purpose for us, can we put some kind of plain, clear target on the wall for which we can aim? Can we state this purpose in a way that enables us to maintain a clear focus upon it? That's the very purpose of this podcast. The clear mission of the church is to make disciples. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission to go and make disciples, those hearing it understood the meaning of that word disciple. Bands of disciples with their masters were common in Jesus' day. Everyone knew that a disciple, the Greek word is mathetes, was a follower of a master. Jesus' hearers knew three things about disciples. Number one, the disciples had the deepest kind of personal friendship with the master because they did life together. Number two, the disciple patterned his whole life on the teaching and example of his master. The disciple's greatest goal was to be like his master. Number three, the disciple, as a follower, joined in his master's cause. Jesus came into the world to overthrow the kingdom of darkness and establish his kingdom of righteousness. So this podcast's three-part definition of our mission is rooted in this original three-part understanding that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. This is how we state our three-part mission. A disciple has a close personal relationship with his master. We say we are called to Christ to enjoy a love relationship with him. Second, a disciple seeks to be like his master. We say we are called to be like Christ, to holy Christ-like attitudes. Third, a disciple joins the master in his mission. We say we are called to exercise dominion for Christ, to implement Christ's righteous agenda in our role as husband, father, employee or employer, neighbor, church member, steward of resources, and ambassador of the kingdom. Christ has begun to overthrow evil and establish his kingdom of righteousness over the earth. That is why his followers are commanded, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So that's our three-part mission. And the more we stay focused on that mission, the greater will be our impact on others for Christ. I want to say that again. The more we stay focused on this mission, the greater will be our impact on others for Christ. Here are three ways to stay focused on Christ's mission for us. Number one, have a concrete target to aim for, which is what we just tried to forge. If you aim at nothing, that is what you usually hit. That's true in everyday life, and it's just as true in your spiritual life. If you fail to aim, aim to fail. It makes a difference, for example, as we begin a new week, knowing that our number one goal this week is to feast on Christ's love for us and try to love him back. Remembering that God wants to develop Christ-like attitudes in us, like sacrificial love and patience, perseverance, self-control, and perhaps having thought a bit about God's agenda for each sphere of our lives. Having a concrete target to aim for. The second way to stay focused on Christ's mission for us is to realize that effectiveness in our mission requires us to resist distractions at times. A few kilowatts of light, if it is focused, becomes incredibly powerful, a laser which can cut through steel. One time, Thomas Edison was asked by a reporter how he became so successful. He answered, 
the ability to apply my physical and mental energies to one problem incessantly without growing weary is my secret to success. When a reporter suggested that Edison imposed a rather severe schedule on himself and was very smart, the inventor laughed and looked at the reporter and said, you do something all day long, don't you? Everyone does. If you get up at 7 a.m. and go to bed at 11, you have 16 good hours. And it is certain that most people have been doing something all that time. The only difference is they do it about a great many things. I do it about one. That is the power of focus. The third way we can stay focused on Christ's mission for us is to realize that God himself established the pattern of working six days and then resting. Genesis 2.3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God does not rest because he's physically tired. It appears that he rested to celebrate and enjoy his work. His example is a pattern for his image bearers. Like him, we are assigned the work of developing the potential of creation but also to rest and reflect upon our work. When this pattern is made one of the Ten Commandments, God adds that this Sabbath rest is, quote-unquote, to the Lord. The implication is that our rest and celebration of our work, that is our mission, is reflecting with our boss upon the work he assigned us to develop the world he created and is now redeeming. Could it be that the Lord's Day, as a day free from our regular work routine, is not given to us as a restriction so we can worry about whether we can watch the NFL, but as a profound gift, a day specially set apart for renewal, reflection, celebration of the God whose creation we are to develop and redeem? to stay focused on the important mission assigned to you by Christ. Could you find one hour on Sunday afternoon or evening to reflect specifically upon your mission with the one who assigned it to you? To summarize this episode, every man wants his life to matter. He wants his life to have impact which is exactly what God designed him for. One of the biggest ways we have impact is by filling a spiritual leadership role. This role is assigned to us in our families, but spiritual leadership is also exercised by ministry leaders and by men who step up and want to influence those around them to move toward Christ. We saw that leadership is not so much authority as influence. The most effective spiritual leaders follow this simple process. Number one, they stay focused themselves on their own spiritual growth. Number two, they earn influence with their followers by caring for them well. Number three, they equip their followers to be all they can be in Christ. Digging a little bit deeper on how to achieve that first leadership goal of staying focused ourselves on our mission, we observe that it requires having a concrete picture of our mission from Christ, refusing to be distracted, but staying focused on Christ's assignment for us, and carving out regular time to reflect upon our mission with our commanding officer as he looks over our shoulder. 
For further prayerful thought, number one, what stood out most to you about effective spiritual leadership? Number two, how can you stay better focused on your mission? For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And if this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by inspiring them each week while they commute or work out.